0: Three, two, one. That's right. You're listening to the It's My Time Podcast, a
1: recording of the experiences, past and present of everyday people. Yes, indeed. Yes, and, 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 and now, here's your host, the one, the
0: only, Asher Chua. Welcome to the podcast, Mr. Sam.
1: Hey, Asher. It's an absolute pleasure to be here. On your podcast and to meet with you,
0: you'll have to ex- excuse the uh, the background noise. If you can hear it, my neighbor no, just decided I, I to... cannot hear anything. It's, okay, it's never mind.
1: The sound is great.
0: Got you. Awesome. Well, um, to introduce you to the audience, who do you say you are?
1: I call myself Self Worth Sam, and I think of myself as an imposter syndrome expert. I'm a speaker, an author, and a consultant, and I help people dissolve imposter syndrome today so they can excel professionally long into the future.
0: That's awesome. And that, um, your focus is what kind of got my attention seeing you on Instagram. And I was curious just to be able to talk to someone that specializes in imposter syndrome because it, it seems like it's something that everyone kind of deals with at some point in time. So what, what was your experience with imposter syndrome?
1: Well, I. I experienced imposter syndrome a lot in my life. Uh, The first time was when I decided to become a professional entertainer and I wanted to go into high schools and motivate young people to, you know, find their feet, to find their unique talent and to encourage them to pursue their passion. And I wanted to entertain them as well with professional beatboxing which is something that I ended up doing. Uh, I have a unique talent of being able to make some pretty cool beats with my voice. And so I felt like a a big fraud and a fake when I thought about going to do that for the first time because, I guess, low self-worth and lack of experience and just a lot of overthinking. So that was the first time that it really affected me, and that was probably I was in my mid to late 20s. And so I procrastinated for many years to follow my passion because I believed the story that I was an imposter. And ironically, more recently, when I decided to become an imposter syndrome expert, imposter syndrome reared its ugly head once again for me. And it happened when I was researching the topic online and I was looking at um, authors and established professionals, especially psychologists who I really look up to. And I immediately felt like a, a big imposter again, because I was not as academically successful as them. I, I certainly didn't have a PhD. I wasn't a doctor. I wasn't a, a psychologist. I do have a degree in philosophy, however, and I'm a an experienced classroom teacher, but I still felt like I was not allowed somehow to be an imposter syndrome expert. Right. So it came back for me when I thought it had gone. But I think that it's it's been good for my own uh journey to experience that again because it helps me to be more relatable to the people I want to serve.
0: Yeah. I, I think that's a great point when you mention it coming up for the first time in in the uh like the mid to late twenties, because I, I think the same thing occurred to me getting a first job out of college and it was like that very specific thing you're in this room with other experts that have kind of to your same level but you feel like they've got more accolades than you do and then now it's like do i really have any right to be in this room
1: yeah it's it's interesting how we use these. i mean you just used the word having the right and i use the word um it's almost like am i allowed to do this it's, it's almost like there's this need for permission from somebody to go and do what we are most passionate about. And I know that lots of people go through this and it's the voice in our head that is really the the only person that is saying you're not allowed. Um, who Who are you to have the right to go and follow this path? And so I've looked at that voice, that inner critical voice and asked myself, well, what really is going on there? And I've discovered that that voice is actually an incredible power that everybody can tap into if they reframe that voice. And I like to think of um, not only renaming that voice from being the, the critical voice, but I reframe it to being my inner genius and my inner revolutionary. That is the voice inside my head that wants me to do well and it challenges me on purpose to make me sharper. And so I've learned to thank that voice for all the years that it criticized me. And I think other people can start to practice this as well. Instead of, instead of you know, shying away from that voice inside our head, what they can do is start to say, well, let me build a better relationship with myself and with that voice and look for the, the treasure and the strength that that voice can be cultivated towards that's a very powerful thing. I really recommend people try that.
0: How did you, how did you make that transition or how did you start on that path for yourself?
1: Yeah. Okay. So this is a, a, a graphic story to start with. I had a, a serious eye injury many years ago. I was actually working as a, a, a trades assistant or a laborer. And I was, um, putting kitchen tiles into well, bathroom and kitchen tiles. That was my, my job and one day um, a small piece of metal that you probably cannot even see uh, came off the edge of a chisel. I hit a hammer onto a chisel and a tiny piece like a splinter of metal flew right through my eyeball and my safety glasses were on my head and I was rushed to hospital and I had eye surgery that day and as you can imagine it's quite shocking and it was a quite painful. And they said, listen, there's a a tiny piece of metal that has gone right through your eyeball and is stuck in the retina and it needs to come out today. Otherwise the metal will rust and you'll lose your eye. And I thought, well, I don't want that to happen. So I had surgery and the graphic part is they put me to sleep and they had to remove my eyeball from the socket while I was asleep. And then they could take the metal out put the eyeball back in, stitch me up. The the surgery was quite successful and it's incredible what can be done. Now, the surgeons and the physicians said to me, look, in about a month, your eye will return to normal. You might have a bit of a scar, some focus issues, but you'll be fine. Well, that one month turned into about three years of pain and frustration. And I was almost diagnosed with an immune system disorder called Bechet's disorder, which is where the body has an overactive Im, uh, immune system. And it made my eye very inflamed. It looked like it was bloodshot all the time. And so I had to take powerful medication for that cortisone and another whole body uh, immune suppressant called azathioprine. And that didn't really work and had to try and wean myself off that and heal the eye And so after frustration, as you can imagine, of three years of not being able to heal my eye and having lots of pain, you know, running out of money, not being able to work, my girlfriend at the time left me. So it was a lot of heartache, which led to the deepest depression I've ever been in. Plus, I was going through imposter syndrome because I wanted to start my entertainment and speaking workshops in school. So that was a 28 years of age. And I have a whole nother story about how at around about the age of 28 29 everyone is tested to help them evolve so i can get to that another time if you like yeah and so as a result of being frustrated and medical specialists telling me that i might have to be on this medication long term i basically took my healing into my own hands or at least i started to think well what can i do to heal myself you know and I found that meditation and quiet, calm, inner contemplation was absolutely key. And I know everybody can do this if they're going through pain, if they're going through frustration, depression, or imposter syndrome, that calming your mind is a great first step. When you can calm the noise in here, you can reduce the stress, it's gonna have incredible benefits for you. And what I found was in a, by listening to that inner voice, I was able to build a better relationship with myself, I was able to slow down and live more in the moment and trust myself. I think that's a big key message that I learned from this injury. So I ended up thanking life for this injury because it taught me such a powerful lesson. And so sometimes the pain in our life is a a great teacher in disguise. And that's that was really the first big test of my life and I was able to to go through that and come out quite healed and inspired to continue teaching people. So that's that's sort of the background of how I yeah became inspired to follow the path that I'm on.
0: Gotcha. That that's an amazing story. And and what I like about that, it, it's almost like two parallels that you pointed out so far. Like the when the imposter syndrome happened, like at the mid to late 20s and then also like an injury being a byproduct of it because for me coming out of of college of or university I had a injury to my right elbow it was like a small radial fracture and it just it felt like a bummer leading up to like the last like the last half of my school year but then over the summertime with me and a roommate we were working together going to the gym and just working on that that healing process but then it's like building up the confidence of being like, okay, I know right now I can't do a push-up, but as we just go to the gym and kind of rehabilitate, it's gonna get better. And then what's funny, almost a year later, when I'm having this immediate imposter syndrome thing, it's like, hey, you graduated from this great school, like you belong in this room with all these other students that graduated from their respective school and they're at the top of their class. Maybe they researched a little bit more on the company, but it's like, Hey, it's okay, you, you belong here. And then we go and we're playing a intramural, um, frisbee and just on one play, I just lean my hand, my hand out to stop myself from falling. And again, it's like a similar injury and I'm like, "Ah, here we go again but then kind of like again using that healing process to build back up and like the third time it's having that down period right before starting the podcast and using the podcast as a way to really um unpack myself so to speak and really give myself some of that time like either on here give give you the time to highlight you but also like in listening back take the time to be like okay like here is. Here's what I've learned, and here's how I can here's how I can learn to appreciate myself. I really like when you said that part because a lot of times when the imposter syndrome comes up, it seems that the focus is more on what's going on outside of you than it would be what's going on internally. You focus on either what you don't have, what you've lost, what you're not getting, versus what you actually have, where you are, you're breathing, you're like. You're able, actually being able to quiet your mind and enjoy stillness for a bit. It's like it helps you appreciate a lot more things than you would otherwise in the noise.
1: Yeah. And interestingly, as you know, growing up in America or um, I grew up in Australia, we're not taught to quieten our mind. And it's not, you know, uh, not surprising that people, it, focus on themselves when they're going through these painful things. However, one of the greatest things that I'm going to add on to what you said said just before is to focus on other people as a a healing approach. And so I want to emphasize a message of serving others as a way to heal yourself of imposter syndrome. Uh, The Buddha, I love reading things about Buddhism, and the Buddha said when we are less at the center We become more human. And so basically that translates to when you're less selfish and self-absorbed, you expand your being and you heal and you are able are able to transform and tap into your own gifts and help others do the same.
0: I guess can can you elaborate on that a little bit more? Because it's it seems like a a tough challenge where when you're when you're, I don't know if you'd call it self-sabotaging, it's like you can make things about yourself, but also at the same time, it's like, if you don't pay enough attention to yourself and you're yeah. always concerned about other people, you you kind of like miss the point, so to speak.
1: Yeah, yeah, so I would say go for a balance of loving yourself and loving others. So the way I've been able to, to articulate this is find a meaningful path myself that is in a way selfish, but it's not selfish in the sense that it's totally about me. It's actually connected to a cause that contributes to the world. And so when you are able to find or when I was able to define that cause and they were harmonized, you become present, you become balanced, your emotions balance, your perception expands and you don't see it as selfish and too concerned with other people, you see it as loving. You see it as loving yourself and other people. Does that make sense? It it does.
0: And I guess to kind of stay on the example, because you, you talked about being a, a laborer and having the incident happen to your eye. And then at the same time, you were trying to be, um, use your skill of beatboxing and be able to speak to students and be able to inspire them, like, mm. and using the stillness that you were able to use, like, how did that help you um, embrace your talent, so to speak, and say, okay, I, this is what I'm doing to help them and this mm-hmm. is going to heal me in the process?
1: Yeah, so the timeline was, was I had the injury and then I was not able to be uh, a laborer anymore because the eyesight is, was not as good as what you need. You need quite precise vision to be a Tyler to get right. everything flat and aligned. So mm-hmm. fortunately... Years before I'd completed my teaching qualifications at university and I went into teaching in high schools as a profession and at the time I didn't really want to do that I was actually refused to be a teacher in the beginning I was like i don't want to do that but right. life had a had a different plan for me and in the back of my mind while I was being a, a high school teacher I thought this is just going to be a job until I can do my own thing and I was working up the courage to basically call school principals in my hometown and ask them if they wanted to book me. That was scary to pick up the phone and to say, hi, this is who I am. And I've got this unique ability called beatboxing. And I really feel that I could engage young people with it and try to sell them on that idea. And I remember my hand shaking when I was picking up the phone and making cold calls and stumbling my words and blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. Oh, It was not pretty. It was not pretty in the beginning. Uh, But eventually, after I got a few bookings, I was able to really, like at the beginning, when I remember driving to, I think it was my third booking ever, and I was just saying to myself, make it about the kids, focus on serving. And just that was my affirmation to override the, the thoughts of, am I good enough? Will I ridicule myself? What have I failed? just quieten those thoughts by focusing on something more inspirational, something that is to do with serving a bigger cause and more or greater meaning. And that actually calmed me down. And that's something I think everybody can do is, is have an affirmation that they prime themselves with as they're going into a situation where normally those feelings of uh, self-doubt and insecurities would come up. That's that's something people can do.
0: That That's powerful. It- it's like a an affirmation that I, I picked up this week or that I was reminded of was just saying a simple sentence as the piece I'm looking for is looking for me, like being able to um, state what it is that I want and have the expectation that that's also looking for me in, in a way, in a sort of way, because then that it's is. like that, that shifts the focus into, okay, like, is this going to happen is it not going to happen but now like creating the expectation that this can happen and what i'm doing is going in that direction and it kind of takes away that weight of like that uncertainty
1: i think what you've said is profound this this idea that the piece that you're looking for is also looking for you and I kind of feel that imposter syndrome as a topic found me more than I went looking for it. And I also think that, you know, our, our painful experiences are great teachers in disguise for our own healing and expanding. So if people are watching this, have a look at what you think is stressing you out in your situation and and try to reframe it. Go, what is it trying to teach me? Because it's incredible what can be learned from our own pain and yeah, this this idea of having an affirmation. I'm going to add to that if you don't mind. At the very top, the most powerful thing I believe an individual can do is determine their highest values, get really crystal clear on your top five values in life. And if you really want to push it, try to get it down to number one, like the number one value that inspires you more than anything and connect that to your goals, connect that to defining your purpose and your meaningful cause in life, that alone will reduce imposter syndrome incredibly because when we are inspired, we are willing to endure the pain that comes along with our chosen path because we tell ourselves this is so worthwhile for other people. And, of course, you're going to be remunerated for it. You'll be, uh, you'll receive you know, things for it as you go and serve other people. So get clear on your values and then define a cause that is meaningful to you and a cause that is going to contribute to other people's lives. If you can do those two things, you're going to find that your worldview will change drastically and you'll wake up with greater resilience, uh, greater excitement. You'll have a, an objective mind. You won't be so... Uh, what are you won't be so drawn into negative thinking. You'll actually start to see that you have these two sides of yourself. One, the negative and the positive, if you like. But you'll see the, the positive and the negative, and you'll see the negative and the positive. Okay? So you'll see the upsides and your downsides. You'll see your downsides and your upsides. And that's objectivity. That's when you are clear. That's when you're present. That's when you begin to expand. And that's, I feel, is the perfect state of love. And you'll be grounded. You'll be humble yet inspired, and you'll have the greatest ability to contribute to other people. And you'll feel great. You'll feel that life is just a, a beautiful, energetic experience, and you get to participate in that. So get clear on the values, the cause, and you're going to expect. You can expect great things to happen. I,
0: that just to so that last point you made. You you can expect great things to happen. Is it is a great point because. I think coming from being in the imposter syndrome mode and trying to move away from that, it's like you really have to believe that something can happen, but also believe that you have the capacity to make something happen. Because if you're speaking about someone that's either in self-doubt and depression and those types of things, it, it's something that can come upon you very quickly, either through your lifestyle um, life events that happen like we've gone through the pandemic over the last few years and it's have it's had different results for different people but it's been interesting to see how people have learned to overcome it and what people are learning after the fact and seeing more positives and being able to to speak to people about um what is it that they learned what is it that they gained and Mm. I'm, i'm curious to know for yourself like how did you Keep your focus narrow enough on something so broad, so to speak, to where it's like it it kept you focused like, hey, I'm doing this for the kids. And like, okay, I do one, I do two, I do three. And it's like this is something that can that can be sustained over time.
1: It all came back to my passion and I wanted to have fun. Put it that way. I wanted to wake up and laugh and smile and I want to make other people laugh and smile But keep it simple and I wanted to make a living doing something that I loved so that work was not work but a passion and I believed that that was possible and I was willing to work at it long term and as a result of contemplating and reflecting on my own journey I realized that I had a lot of exaggerated thoughts and that self-doubt, anxiety and depression are One of the biggest contributors to that is an overwhelmed mind. And if you can reduce the overwhelm and go, okay, I'm going to be realistic. I'm going to ground myself or get real, as they say, and realize that things take time and you're allowed to give yourself time. And in fact, if you just do a couple of little things each day and start to acknowledge those small actionable tasks and how they contribute to your longer term goal that raises self worth. So, I recommend that people get their values clear, get their cause clear, then break that big vision down into yearly goals, monthly goals, weekly goals, daily tasks like the highest priority tasks that you can think of and keep it to about three per day, no more. Otherwise, you're gonna overwhelm yourself. So, pick three really small, achievable tasks. For that day and check them off when you've done them and your self-worth self-worth will begin to grow nice and steady so don't expect your self-worth to just explode and you'll suddenly feel unstoppable that's probably a bit exaggerated and mm-hmm. you'll probably be too elevated that you become egotistic you don't want that you want to stay grounded yet inspired mm-hmm. so I found that when I just kept a a very simple list of a couple of things that I wanted to do each day and I'll actually achieve them. That's the thing. Don't procrastinate or find tasks that are so achievable that you can say, well, I could do that and then go do it. And then you will think, well, that was easy. What's the next thing? And then your self-worth grows and grows and grows. And you look back over a week or a month and you start to go, wow, I'm, I'm making some progress here. That's incredible for someone's self-worth. Then the imposter syndrome is going to go down because you're starting to be realistic and you're saying, if I keep this up long-term, in a matter of five years, my life could have totally transformed. And I've noticed this with myself and you can see it with other people. Then your time horizons expand. When you start to get realistic about time and your life, then you go, well, you are not know five years isn't that far away. I know that when we are young, especially in our 20s, we think, oh my gosh, five years, that's, that's an eternity. Right. But it, it is, and I, I, I'm starting to really appreciate thinking in terms of 25-year periods and what I can achieve and what I can, con- what I can contribute in that time. By thinking in bigger time chunks, you take the pressure off and you start to think, okay, 25 years for a big project, what do I want to do? And you, you've basically given yourself a whole lot of time and it frees up your mind. It reduces the overwhelm so you can see clearly and you go, okay, what am I, what have I got to do today to start moving towards that? And so your life becomes like art. You become an artist and you start to move towards your self-actualization and become reaching your potential in a very practical way.
0: Yeah, I, I really like that because um, maybe two things that I've seen recently is that, um, I probably learned this right around the time of getting out of school and working that first full-time job. Seeing some of my coworkers, they they did just what you said was setting like three simple goals. That's like, okay, hey, if I can go grocery shop today or make my lunch for the next day and do my laundry, just fold my clothes or put these away. It's like, hey, that's simple enough that I write it down, I do it, it's done. And it's like Monday morning, they're confident at work and everything. And I'm sitting here trying to check five, 10 things off. And I'm like, I want to have that, that big plan done because it's like,
1: you want to finish, you want to finish the big project in a completely unrealistic time frame,
0: Right. And it's that, like, that, it's that, like you're, the, you're getting you out yourself. of yourself, right? It's like, you're, you're getting out of school because what is it? You, you, you go into university thinking, um, OK, by the end of this, I've got to have a job that's going to sustain me for a career like that's supposed to set me up to have a family right. to be providing. But then it's I OK.
1: Figure it all out this weekend.
0: <laughs> right, right. And it's like, but to your point, it's it's worthwhile to have a plan that's like a five to twenty five year plan. But all of that has to come back to knowing what you can get done in one day. And what you can get done in one day has to start with having a maximum of three things, but at least saying, hey, if I can do something as simple as clean my room, or at least not even clean my room, just make my bed or just do something that's going to get me there. Like if you want to be presenting in front of people, like it might be good to brush my teeth going to bed because I want to be presentable when people see me. It's like, yeah. Yeah. Maybe, it's like, maybe something you wouldn't think of, but it's like, hey, if i care about myself enough to take care of myself then it would maybe make me look all right in front of other people yeah. and then I, might
1: help I, yeah I,
0: right and i wouldn't feel so ashamed to be like oh like did i shower today did i not yeah. but it's, it's like just something that small would make you dare enough to say hey like let me let me do these small things but then finding it Appreciation in them makes me not denigrate them, so to speak, or make them seem so small. Like, oh no, that's that's too small for me. Because a a quote that I've heard said was that um, people underestimate what they can do in a day, but overestimate what they can do in a year. And it it goes to Mm, that philosophy where it's like you 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 think so big sometimes where you ignore what's simple, and then you don't want to do the simple to actually or I I'm, I'm speaking to myself. I don't want to do the simple sometimes. And it's like just journaling or, or jotting down those three things is the best way to start and say, Hey, I'm going to get up. I'm going to go for a walk, 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 walk. Okay. The walk's done. Now I see my floor is dirty. Okay. I'm going to clean my floor. Hey, I swept my floor. I didn't have to wait an entire month. It was like, yeah. I swept it one time this month, but I did it. And it's like, I can go to work tomorrow with the peace of mind that I got some exercise in. I cleaned up around my house. I have groceries in the fridge and I can eat. Like I know what I'm going to have for lunch tomorrow or for breakfast tomorrow. That's one less thing I have to think about.
1: I think that is a great mindset that you've created. I want to add to that and say, mm-hmm. don't create simple goals, create priorities and connect them to your highest value. So that even though the task may seem simple, it's important and worthwhile. So you might think, okay, a a simple goal would be to make my bed. Don't see it as simple and don't undermine it. Say, well, how does making my bed help me achieve my highest values and mission long-term? So you go, this is important. It's not just something I got to do. It's something I want to do. And then eventually you get efficient and you not, so, not motivated by external things, but you're inspired by internal vision. So whether that's you know pr- making yourself presentable for work or getting any task done, ask yourself, how does this connect to my highest value? How's this gonna help me fulfill my highest values so that you are consciously aware of how the simple goal is actually a high priority? That will inspire you to get it done faster and you'll eventually be able to do more with your day.
0: Right, that again, well said. And the thing I I love that you said about priority is that it's singular. So then once you identify it as that, it makes it, this is the thing that needs to get done because I've given it that number one priority. It gets done, I value it, it ties into my value and that reinforces something about me that I, I believe. And it, it doesn't it doesn't need to blow or change like as the wind blows because it's like, OK, if somebody says this is good today and then tomorrow they disagree with it, like if you're clear on what it is that you value, then more reason to really do the thing that you value. And, not- and you're, allowed
1: to, you're allowed to tweak it. You're allowed right. to tweak what right. you do every day because they're only small tasks. You say, OK, what worked yesterday? What didn't work yesterday? Mm -hmm. and you over time you become efficient you start to know exactly what makes you work better Mm -hmm. and you know what makes your self-worth go up and you know what contributes to more and more people better Mm -hmm. so the more you do this the better you'll get at it
0: that's a good point i like that (laughs) um where can people find you whether it's online or offline and can you tell them a little bit about kind of like where you grew up. So they, they have a sense. I know you you mentioned being in Australia and there's obviously a a time difference for us having this conversation.
1: Yeah, sure. I was born in um, the most isolated capital city in the world, Perth, Western Australia, a cosmopolitan city, very beautiful. And I went to university there after university. I went and lived in Germany for about a year or so. Uh, came back. That's when I got the job as a tyler. Had the the injury, and I was in Australia for a few years. And actually, I've spent about the last six years living in Los Angeles, California. And that was an incredible experience. And I, I really consider that a home. And uh, I love I love Los Angeles and California and America. I had a lot of uh, great experiences there with my sweetheart and. Um, People can go to selfworthsam.com as my website and I'm on TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Spotify, just look up Sam, and I put out videos, reels almost every day and you can go to Amazon. I've got a book. It's in paperback, Kindle and audio formats. It's called How to Beat Imposter Syndrome and Be Confident and also you can go to selfworthsam.com and i've got an online video course which is called how to beat imposter syndrome and be confident and people can also schedule appointments with me if they want to dissolve imposter syndrome in less than 2 hours so that they can excel their their professional life long into the future so it's very easy to find me selfworthsam.com
0: i love it and like you mentioned being being in um in Los Angeles, did you move back with the pandemic or what's, how did you make the transition?
1: Um, We wanted to go back to Australia before the pandemic, but there was a lot of, uh, you know, problems with international Mm -hmm. flights. Mm -hmm. So we stayed put and um, yeah, that's, that's sort of the story, you know, and I've learned to be patient when it Mm -hmm. comes to a lot of things in life. It's like, okay, you might not be able to get it this year, but, another year is not far away. And I've also realized that I love traveling the world. So I want to live in different countries. And so I see the, the whole planet as my home and yeah, next year I might be in another city, another country. And I'm grateful that I'm, uh, that I'm capable of doing that, that that is a, I feel like I live a, a very fortunate life because I can even envision that for myself and think, wow, I get to work anywhere I want if I set my intention.
0: That's amazing. And from the time you you started um, speaking to kids at at the high schools and just making those first phone calls, would you say the vision of what you, you wanted to achieve has become everything you hoped it would be?
1: It has changed. Significantly. So, in the beginning, I was talking to young people in schools, mm-hmm. and then I reinvented myself. Actually, living in California, I saw it as a, a, a kind of a spiritual quest. Like, in, if you know who Joseph Campbell is, he wrote a lot about mythology from around the world, and he talks about the hero's journey. And if you go from one place of your ordinary comfort zone and home, and you travel somewhere that's new, you have to reassess everything about life and you have to reassess who you are. And so I saw living in America as a, a a beautiful healing and transforming experience for my character and my vision. And as a result, I've become focused on wanting to serve professionals in the adult world with dissolving imposter syndrome. And so I believe people should embrace their fate, and they should kind of listen to where life is asking them to, to go and to be needed, and that it's okay to reinvent yourself every 10 years. In fact, in fact it's quite healthy.
0: That, that's a great
1: point because. So, yeah, so j- just one little thing. Yeah, yeah. Don't think that you have to have it all worked out. At no matter your age, because your values will change slightly over time. And if you start to focus on what are my values, you're going to tweak them. You're going to say, Well, I thought I valued that, but I actually value that. So don't pressure yourself in thinking that I've got to find out what my values are that are going to stay the same forever, because you will change and you'll refine your values and your cause. So remember, you're, you're actually going to live a long time if you. Do the right things of looking after your health and your passion about life. It's quite possible that people live over a hundred years now. If they exercise, sleep well, reduce the the stress, all of those things. It's incredible what we can envision in 2022 for our own lifespan. So give yourself more time because we're we're quite possibly going to be living to over a hundred very soon.
0: Very true. The, I think the service you're providing is great because people really need to to see the self worth within because it it's way too easy to get um, I'd say to get caught up maybe but also to lose yourself in the process of even trying to find yourself but. Mm being able to do the things like you said and um really settle your mind and take control of what it is that you value know that you you have a choice to choose what you value and also you can tweak and change that it doesn't always have to be so rigid to where it's like if you no longer value what you valued before you're not terrible per There's se no it's like
1: disgrace
0: yeah. right it's like you're you're allowed to change and I, I think i heard a, a A funny story or an example where someone says like if you don't like somewhere you can leave you're not a tree like your your roots aren't that dug in that tied but it's like um what's the experience for you been like I, i know you you spoke on it a little bit being in los angeles but like living your life in australia and then moving over for six years and just like being in a completely different environment
1: well i i enjoyed a lot of it Some of it was very challenging and it taught me that I'm tougher than I thought and that there are different types of people in the world. Some of them you're going to like, some of them you're going to love, some of them not so much, right? And that's realistic. It opened my eyes to a wider world. I'm incredibly grateful for what I've learned specifically about America and its history and it's inspired me to learn more about other cultures as well. So traveling and living in another culture, another country will transform you if you allow it and you you will receive a lot of value if you go with it. And when I got to Los Angeles, I networked a lot. I went to a lot of professional networking events and I just thought I've got to make friends and I've got to network. And so I would go into professional organizations or networking events and just put my hand out, introduced myself, and asked people if I could give a presentation. And so I ended up speaking at a lot of places. And I met some people who have become my dearest friends. I ended up writing two books with a man who is twice my age. His name is Harvey Eisenstadt, he's not with us anymore. but. I met him just by turning up to a chamber of commerce meeting. That was a two hour bus ride away in Los Angeles in the Valley. I knew no one. And then I went to another meeting. I met, um, a radio host. Who's also a, a psychotherapist. And I ended up being on her radio show four times. And she's a dear friend of mine, Dr. Nita Valens. She runs a radio show in Los Angeles called inner vision on KPFK. And, so many other great friends just from purposely making friends in a new place. I think that's a great way to go about it. It's good for your, your, your healing and your growth to put yourself out of your comfort zone and, and travel. Another thing I'm going to say is my sweetheart and I, when we moved to Los Angeles, we did not buy a car and everyone thought, you don't have a car? And how, how can you not have a car in California? That's my bad uh, Californian accent. but So, so we, we didn't have a car for six years in Los Angeles, and we loved it. We got around more. We saw more of California than I think most people who live there. And I know that for a fact because they said, wow, you guys get around so much and you don't even have a car. How do you do it? As like, well, you make it happen because you want to. Right,
0: and right.
1: You tap into your own adventurous spirit, and you go. We are going to go and make this happen, and have a good time. And yeah, I I recommend it to people. Not having a car is possible and reduces your stress incredibly, and helps you save a lot of money.
0: Very true. You don't have to find parking all the time. And
1: exactly.
0: (laughs) But it's it's uh, that that's a great point because I remember like the the job I was telling you about right out of school. Part of it was we had. Um, people not only from coming in from all different states, but you also had international um, colleagues. Some of them were Australian from, I think some were from Perth, some were from Sydney. And it was just cool seeing them come in. And we had orientation in Texas. So obviously like America is known for like guns and Texas everything's bigger in Texas so it's like hey what are we gonna do they had like a ladies night so we were like hey we're gonna have a, a lead night so all the guys like you had guys from Australia guys from England where like guns are not allowed so they're like oh this is a first for them is also a first for me so we went to the gun range like guys from Texas guys from Michigan they like basically ushered us in and like teaching us like hey this is how you do this this is how you do that but like I just remember the Australians wanting to get the full experience and like some people that are kind of like shy about like, I don't know. It's like, hey, no, if there's an opportunity to like, let's go test drive something. Let's go, let's go visit somewhere because we know we're not going to be here that long. It's like just taking, taking that mentality of like, hey, you're going to be somewhere for six months. Like try to really explore, like you may not explore your back your backyard that much but it's like hey make an effort like if it's a two two hour drive it's if it's a like just take a a one-way trip or a round trip to another city like i think that inspired me to go to maybe vegas for the first time i think i spent more time at the hoover dam and the grand canyon than like i maybe drove the strip one time but like there was so much to see and seeing things like tumbleweed oh, yeah. for the first time and just knowing, <laughs> knowing the difference from like being in the Midwest where it's completely flat and having elevations and different things like that. Really, that, that power of making experiences happen is very much life changing.
1: Yeah. Beautiful story. Thank you for sharing that with me. You're
0: very welcome. Well,
1: thank you for having me on your beautiful podcast. Shall we wrap it up?
0: Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was great to have you on. I, I'd like to ask you this last question, kind of tying into the, the first question I asked you. Um,
1: are you still who you said you were? I keep discovering who I am and some parts of me are still the same. And there's parts of myself that I'm discovering every day and go, wow, I didn't know that about myself. And I really embrace this idea of exploring, loving and, and empowering all parts of myself equally, the good and the bad, because I think that's the way towards loving yourself rather than loving yourself for the things you like and not loving yourself for the things you don't like. I try to embrace both sides of myself equally. I think that's a that's a, a really loving, that's the true definition of love. That's unconditional love. And so if you can do that for yourself, you can do that for other people. And I think that's going to help the world a lot more if we can at least have a little bit more love for the people that we don't like and that might do some great things for humanity as well.
0: Agreed. Well said. Thank you so much for um, coming on the podcast and allowing me to speak with you.
1: Absolute pleasure,
0: Asha. Till next time. See ya.